Hello, my name is Billy. And my name is Christy. And you are listening to Thoughts On, a production of the Front Porch Sessions podcast. The Thoughts On series is exactly what it sounds like, our thoughts on particular topics. It's our opportunity to share lessons, experiences, and hopefully offer some help and guidance to others on a variety of topics. And on this episode, we are talking about coaching up. It may be helpful, it's not necessary, but it may be helpful if you go back and listen to the previous thoughts on Coach Up or Coach Out, if you haven't already, because in that particular episode, we lay out our ideas behind coaching up, coaching out, what we mean, and a few factors to that. And on this particular episode, we are honing in on the coach up aspect. The way, at least that I perceive it, Christy, is that coaching up is always preferred, of course. And coach out should be the last thing that you do. The last option, I guess, is the correct phrase there. Yeah, and not to make it too much about money or resources, but the least expensive employee to train is the one that you've already hired and trained. So why wouldn't you want to further that investment in trying to find any way possible to help get them on track so that they can be a great asset to your institution or company? Absolutely. And as we talk through this idea of coaching up, it is not necessarily about employee-employer relationships. It can work for almost any type of organization to where there is somebody in charge and there are people that are not in charge that are underneath that person uh, and you're trying to get the best out of them. And most of the time we're talking about coach up or coach out, it ends up being in an employment situation, but it could be all kinds of organizations, even with, you know, volunteers sure. with that trying to get the best out of them. So if you were going to begin to tell somebody, give them some advice about how to coach up somebody under their charge, where would you begin? The relationship. You have to have some sort of a relationship before that's even possible to start because it implies that you as a manager or authority in some way have an opportunity to have a conversation that's hopefully non-confrontational or maybe it's just a serious, well, in the South, we would say a come to Jesus conversation, but you have a relationship where you can say some things that are important, maybe even a little hard, but you're saying things that you hopefully have the right kind of relationship that they can be received and you can grow from as far as maybe future conversations. Okay. And what do you mean here when you say you have to have a relationship? Because I think I may know what you're talking about, but I also may have my own ideas about what that means. Our listeners may be in the same boat. They may have their idea. When you say a relationship, what do you mean here? I I think it means that you have some sort of a connection. Either it's maybe we both are on the same page that we love this particular organization we work for, or we have some sort of common thread that we can rely on to hopefully have a conversation that is honest, but I'm going to say loving, and that's not really the right word because that's certainly not what you necessarily want in a more secular world. But there is some way to have a caring conversation that involves some sort of level that conveys, I'm here for you. I want to be a part of your success. I don't know. I don't feel like I'm quite saying it the way I want to. Maybe that came through. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Hopefully the listeners get that. When I think of this idea of a relational aspect with this, with being able to coach up um, is you have to know something about the individual that you're working with that is beyond yeah. just we work at the same place yeah. or we're involved in the same organization. And some people are going to hear that and uh, be taken aback about that. Wait a minute. These people work for me. I have to know something about them. I need to know something about their personal yes. lives. Yes. At some point, if nothing else, you need to understand what makes them tick, mm. what motivates them, what drives them. Because if you don't understand that aspect of those that are working underneath you, how are you going to motivate them? How are you going to inspire them? Right. Because you're going to have to have this relationship with them to understand a little bit about them for motivational purposes. Right. I think maybe a good example here, because some people that may be in this authority role, 
don't like this idea mm. because they don't want to be friends with people they work with. On one level, I can understand that. I think it's also going to depend on the type of organization sure. and the size of organization, as well as a couple other factors. But those are the two big ones mm-hmm. for me. Because some people say, well, it's hard to work with my friends because if, particularly if you're, I'm in charge of them, yeah. because if I need to quote unquote, get onto them about something yeah. that makes it harder or they're going to take it more personally. I don't think that should be the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, all individuals here should be grown up enough to understand that I'm not going to get into the idea of, well, it's just business because I think that's a bunch of hooey. <laughs> I think people use that as an excuse to treat people poorly. Sure. But uh, if somebody just happened to stumble across, across this thought zone, we're both college professors and uh, life coaches, obviously, <laughs> and leadership experts. But one of the things that I often tell my classes, particularly when the freshman level classes or prospective students, when they come meet to me or come meet with me, excuse me, is I'm not going to be your friend. I am not your friend. While you're a student, I'm not your friend. I will always be friendly towards you. But we're not friends. Always. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes that being friendly is having to be tough with them. Stern. T- stern. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word with it. But I make that point with them because I don't want them to think just because I'm nice to them because they maybe get to come over to eat or we go, you know, we're out and we, we see each other or I take a group of them to do X. Mm-hmm. Um that that means they're going to get some sort of special treatment. I'm always going to treat them with kindness, with love, with... Uh, whatever respect respect like human respect yes those type of things and when they graduate we can become friends sure and there are several students that i am friends with but when they were students we were friendly yeah and and they get that so i think that may be the aspect you may not always be friends with the people you work with but you can be friendly towards them it's an attitude of how you treat them and I get to know things about my students. They get to know things about me. Mm-hmm. It was uh, not too long ago. I did have a meeting with an individual. And basically I said, you need a friend. I can be your friend mm-hmm. if that's what you need. And you have to understand that if you have to get onto me at work mm-hmm. and we leave that, I leave it there. You're going to have to leave it there. And when we're together, we can't always be talking about work. Right. And I think that takes a special uh, relationship for yeah. that for friends to be yeah. able to work. But you have to know something about somebody. Your background is uh, outside of education. Well, it's always been education, I think, other than some Fortune 500 sales type stuff. Uh, you were in college admissions recruiting yeah. for a while, yeah. uh, both as a the person in charge and the person working. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I remember you saying for years and years uh, when you were a recruiter is your boss always told you guys to, you have to know the person that you're recruiting, their dog's name. Yeah. What it is, is you have to know about them. So you know how to sell them. Yeah. And that was just an example. Not everybody has a dog. Not everybody has a dog, but But, everybody in the office understood what was meant. You have to know something about them. Yeah. And even if it's just casual conversation here and there. Yeah. That's, that is important. Yeah. And do you want to add anything else? Because i got a couple of stories I think may illustrate some of these points. Well, I was going to actually take it uh, same job, but take a different approach that you and I were, were really good friends with my boss in that job. We were in our early 20s. Absolutely. And uh, we became great friends with my boss. And I had a rule with him that I knew I wanted to get better. I had enough drive in me, even in my early 20s, that I wanted to be successful in whatever line of work I was in. And I remember specifically specifically telling that particular boss, look, we can be friends. I want to be your friend. We, we had a, a lovely relationship. However, I want to make sure you understand I'm driven, I'm motivated to be a good employee. And so if you at some point need to say, Christy, I need to talk like your boss now, then we can switch gears. And I meant that. I meant that we can have a friendly relationship when we leave at five o'clock, which we never left at five o'clock, but if we leave at five o'clock, we leave the office at the office. And when he needs to have those hard conversations, just change the tone almost and make sure I knew okay, now I need to be boss. And I meant that and I held to that. And there were a couple of times that he had to have some 
more stern conversations, probably he was my boss, that uh, he would literally say, okay, now I need to be boss for a few minutes. And I promised him that. And I delivered on that. And, but that takes a special kind of relationship, like you said. And, you know, if you're going to have a friendship in regards to a superior and a subordinate employee employer relationship, maybe you need to outline some ground rules. You have to lay down some boundaries. Yeah. So everybody's on the same page yeah. with this type of things. I, before I tell that, whoa. Sorry about that. Before I tell the people listening, well, it's going to peak real loud. Oh, okay. And we shouldn't be talking about that. I'm not going to edit this because that's <laughs> how we're rolling. Uh, I've got a couple of quotes before I tell you two stories. One I think you're familiar with or you know about. The other one you have probably just have heard some things about it. Uh, but I think it relates to, to what we're talking about right now. A couple of these quotes are from Simon Sinek. At least that's how we believe you uh, pronounce his last name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first one here is leadership is not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. Absolutely. Which I think that goes back to this idea of building relationships. Mm -hmm. John Maxwell said leaders find people where they are and they bring them to where they should be. Mm. Uh, and this is what leaders do best yeah. with that. So you, you take people where they are and you bring them up. That's part of this idea of coaching up. And this other thing from Simon Sinek, which I think is great, the best place to invent the future is away from our desk. Oh, yeah. So if you're the person in charge and you are always at your desk, right. you're not out among those people <laughs> that are under your charge, you have a huge problem. Right. You have no chance of knowing them. You need to get out. You need, if it's a office situation, you need to be regularly visiting yeah. those people yeah. in their office. You need to be encouraging them to get out of their office. Occasionally, you may have to have lunch with them. Yeah. Or have lunch catered in yeah. or something of that nature. So two quick stories that I think relate to this idea of relational and being friendly, um, even if it's not friends. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to speak with a friend of mine who had been involved in several several weeks, uh, maybe a month or two, of meetings within the organization uh, of which my friend was employed that involved the board of directors. And during that, one of the uh, people that were higher up in this particular organization had been talking and said, I don't have any friends. And particularly, I think that meant they didn't have any friends within the organization. Oh. And they followed it up with saying, but that's okay. I'm not supposed to have friends. That's part of the job. Mm. Now, I kept talking to my friend about this, and I asked some questions. And we both ended up coming to the same conclusion. I think it might have been helpful because I'm a little bit familiar with the organization. Uh, I, I know a little bit ab about some of the players. And I said, it, that, I don't think that's the reason. Not the, the position is not the reason this person doesn't have any friends or doesn't think has any friends within that organization. And I assume that means people don't talk to them at that or mm -hmm. they, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if it's like, oh, we need people to, I don't have anybody to go to a ball game with or something. Yeah. The truth of the matter was that had nothing to do with it, the position. It's because the person in charge is a jerk and a bully. <laughs> and nobody wants to be around that. Yeah. Everybody that's under the person's charge is kind of scared walking on eggshells. Especially if you're that's doing that problematic. Work. You don't want to invite that into your home or go do something social with them. Well, yeah. No way. It, well, even take out the social aspect. You don't want to have to walk by them and say hi because you don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So that individual failed to build relationships with those people that were under this person's charge. There may have been care. a larger problem there. What do you think? I, I, th I think so. And yeah. we may talk about that at some other points because I, as I talked with my friend about some of these things, other things came out. Sure. Uh, I wish I had taken some notes because I'd make some good. <laughs> Here, we're trying to give people life yeah. advice. Yeah. Okay. The other one is a little bit more personal. Oh. And I've, I've observed this firsthand. And that has to do with some lessons I've learned from my father. Okay. So my dad... Uh, retired as a government contractor. It wasn't his, his only career, but probably at least half of his working life, he was a government contractor, probably what we would label or used to be labeled middle management. Okay. So he was in charge of a number of areas for this government contractor 
motor pool, furniture shop, radio shop, allied trade, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. I don't really know. And he his working hours were like 7 to 3.30, mm-hmm. I think is the time that he was supposed to be there. Okay. He showed up every morning at about 6 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And he left every day about 4 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And there was one day I asked him about that. That it came out, and I didn't know that. I thought that was his hours, oh. the six to four type thing. Yeah. And I asked him, it came out one day, and I asked him about it. And he said, son, I like to be there when my people show up for work mm-hmm. so I can greet them. Mm-hmm. And I like to be there when they leave mm-hmm. so I can lock the door, lock up. I'm like, whoa. And, you know, I'm, I'm probably a late teenager at this point and not really grasping it. As a, as a teenager, though, there were some times that... I got to go to work with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes this would be on Saturdays, uh, so there wasn't really anything going on. Maybe even before preteen type situation, I, I was always excited because I'd get to drive the golf cart around and oh. all this, which he never used when you know he would just walk 10, 12 miles a day <laughs> Too bad to all they the didn't places have to do then. it. <laughs> he would have probably have blown them up yep. as much as he he was doing. Uh, but you know, maybe some people were out there working, so he wanted to be there. Yeah, maybe a couple of times I went during the regular work week. But I know as a teenager when I could drive, and maybe even in college some, that he would say, hey, son, we're having a lunch today. Can you come out here? Now, what he meant by we're having a lunch was not we're having a lunch catered in. Mm -mm. People were either bringing stuff or they had a kitchen Mm -hmm. in one of the shops, Mm -hmm. and they would cook there. Mm -hmm. They'd throw some stuff on the crock pot or whatever. He was regularly uh, cooking breakfast for them, Mm -hmm. showing up, people bringing things in. So there were a number of times that I went out there. I think maybe even you went once while we were dating. We invited out there to lunch. Chili memory. Like the food chili, not cold. Okay, And that may be true because they would do some of that type of stuff. So thinking about this, when I go out there and I observe this, this was really a family type situation. Yeah. He knew about the people that he was in charge of. They knew about him. The people knew about each other Mm -hmm. uh, because they took the time. Yes, they got their jobs done. They did what they were supposed to do, but, you know, they would eat meals together. They would take their breaks together. And it wasn't just a superficial, hey, how are you doing? So much so that we have a couple of bookcases that one of my dad's employees built for us. Mm-hmm. We didn't ask him to. I don't think my dad did. He wanted to build them. Yeah. When we first got married, built them. We have some, a couple of rolling pins that he hand-turned. When uh, my dad started off his professional career as a mechanic, and um, had when he closed that down, he brought all this stuff home, and he knew how to do body work on cars, and we had all the equipment But my brother was involved in a wreck, and instead of sending it out to have it fixed, he was going to do it himself. Well, a couple of people that worked for him that did stuff like that on a regular basis, my dad had been out of it 10, 15, maybe 20 years at this point, came to the house, and that's what they did. They, on the weekends, maybe some evenings, they fixed it. They were about helping each other because they had that relationship. So much so that another employee found out, oh, you guys are doing that. Well, I really want to uh, paint my Corvette and fix, you know, finish fixing it up. So they did that in the garage. There were several weekends. A bunch of people that worked together were out there doing that. Um, but to see how these people talk to each other and how they would do anything for each other, and I could go on and on with some of these stories, but that would take forever. And we tried to keep these kind of on a time limit. But it emphasizes to me that relational aspect you know about the individuals that are under your charge with that. Oh, how's your mom? I, I know that she's still in the hospital. Is she getting over that? Okay, do you need me to do anything? Do you need me to, you know, whatever it is. And I know that's not in everybody's personality. Maybe the job situation isn't going to do that. But it is that you have to have some sort of relationship. You have to understand people. If you're going to be able to offer any advice to help somebody, you have to know how to deliver it. I think there's this old saying that people don't care how much you know mm-hmm. until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And I think as I've just observed over the past couple of years, I across the board, some of these I have seen with my own eyes, others I've read about, others I've heard about, people have forgotten that. Mm. It's I'm in charge, you have to listen to me. Yeah. And that's not going to work there. Yeah. I think we need to tie it back to the basic foundation is leadership is about people 
And you can't lead people if you are focusing on the bottom line or some sort of factor figure. But when you get to know people and build that relationship, then you can have those wonderful, satisfying, important conversations. And then you can also go and say, Christy, I need to have a boss conversation with you. But if you are not focusing on the people and putting the time in, putting the effort into the relationship, you can't do any of that stuff, and it's Absolutely. ultimately not going to work. If you're the type of boss that just shows up in somebody's office or cubicle yep. or on the floor when they've done something wrong, yep. you need to quit your job <laughs> because you're not good at it. You're missing the point here. Uh, here's another quote from Simon Sinek that I ran across uh, actually earlier today as we're recording this. Not earlier today as you're listening to it. When we take care of our people, our pe- people take care of our business. True. Absolutely. When we take care of our people, our people take care of our business. Well, we have to keep in mind from time to time, I try to remind myself that I am my indivi- my own individual self. I am also Cooper and Callie's mom. I am also your wife. I am also an employee of my institution. I am a representative of my city. I am all things to all people. And so some people are going to see me in the street or in Walmart or get an email from me, and they're going to attach some other title to me. And I have to keep in mind that since I represent something else to someone else, I need to be mindful at all times that I'm putting that best foot forward. And part of the way to do that is to be truly focused on, well, let's just boil it down to being a good person. And some of this other stuff is actually going to work out pretty nicely uh, when we focus on that. Yeah, I think part of it, too, besides this relationship is about creating a good culture Mm. where people are excited to go to work. They're not quivering in their offices (laughs) or in the hall when they hear that the boss is on their floor or whatever with that. (laughs) Uh, Don Yeager is a quote from him. Camaraderie doesn't happen by accident. Developing a strong sense of trust, accountability, and togetherness around team goals requires intentional effort. Intentional. You have to put forth the effort. If you want results, you have to put forth the effort to get those particular results. Growth is a result. It's not a cause. Mm. You have to work for it. Mm -hmm. You know what grows? What you water. Mm. What you tend to. Yes. uh, With that type of thing. And I was, okay. So we kind of shifted all the way around with this idea of a relation, maybe spend a little longer than we had anticipated on that. But obviously it's important right. for that because I think that's where it starts. Okay, what is something else that you would have to offer as advice for somebody that's wanting to coach up? Mm. Well, the truth of the matter is it's probably almost a dance. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean that it's a conversation that's ongoing. It's not, let me go drop, go drop into your office and drop a bomb in your lap and say, you're going to have to fix this. Because the reality is, if you have a relationship, you have been working into that tough conversation for a while. You have been watching something happen and you're actually having conversations that point to maybe things aren't going the way we want them to go. The hard part of that is there might come a time when you ultimately have to say the hard things. But if you have been working on that relationship, if you have been working on intentionally building a relationship, you're putting in the effort to build a culture of trust, a culture of um, mindfulness in regards to we're all here for the same reason, then hopefully that conversation will come a little bit more naturally. And frankly, I think if you're in the right situation, you might get lucky enough that you don't even have to say the hard things because maybe the person you need to have the hard conversation with already knows something's not quite right. I'm not matching the level of intensity as my neighbor or I am falling short and I need maybe that person will initiate the conversation because they recognize, oh, maybe things aren't going quite as well as I hoped and I need to do better for you. And I think that's a lot of what you described with your dad, that your dad inspired such a culture that before he could have even gone and started those hard conversations, he may have had some employees that would have come to him and say, look, I feel like I'm not pulling my weight or I might be disappointing you or something like that. They wanted to do good work for your dad. 
Well, and I think if you're a leader and you have cultivated that relationship, you have cultivated a good culture, a healthy culture, you're absolutely right. You don't want to let people down. Right. Uh, even at, at my age uh, and my parents' age, I don't want to let them down. Sure. I, yeah. Because of, of that relationship right. there. And I think, too, as, as you were saying there, sometimes when you go to start these hard conversations about we have to get some improvement out of you, they may already know. Yes. And they just need to be told that. And, and maybe they maybe they know they need to improve, but they don't know how. Yes. And that's your job as the leader to help them improve. You're meeting them where they are. Say, hey, we have these expectations. You're not quite meeting those. So what, what can we do to improve? Yeah. This is where you put that coaching hat on and you start having productive conversations about what you see and what you want to see. And again, that's maybe sometimes that's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe it's going to be a little bit difficult, but ultimately you care enough about this other person. They know you care about them. And so you are going to mutually work together to find some sort of resolution. Again, hopefully, ultimately you're coaching up not coaching out, but that's going to take really some great foundation and the ability to work through that. I think something too, that's going to make a good coach in these situations is not to run away from the hard issues. Don't let things, uh, I just lost fester. Mm. Is that a good word for this? Don't just let it go on and on. The earlier that you can deal with an issue, the better. Particularly if people have just been doing it over and over, they don't know any different. They thought it's been okay. Right. With that. I also think sometimes you'll have to figure out, is this a knowledge problem Mm. that they don't really know what they're supposed to be doing or how to do it properly? Mm -hmm. Or is this a more of a problem of they may know, they just don't want to. Right. Or they don't want to do it that way. You got to work through those two things. So if it's going to be that second one, it may be time to start the coaching out aspect of it. But if it's a knowledge situation... They're not sure what to do. Maybe they just lack confidence in themselves. I'm aware of of several people I know who've had employees that ended up being model employees. Mm. But early on, it was a struggle (laughs) just because they didn't have enough confidence in their abilities. Right. And weren't sure or they were afraid of letting everybody down. Right. Here, if you're a leader and somebody underneath you or you're the boss, because not everybody in this situation is really a leader. We've got to come up with a better word (laughs) uh, for that. Mm. And that's why oftentimes I say the person in charge. Mm. But if you're, I I just lost what I was trying to say here. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) So anyway, it was really good. I'm sure it was profound and important. It really was. It really was. If you've developed a good relationship, then some of those conversations, they may not be easy to begin with, but I'm convinced that if you have worked in that industry, you've worked around these people, you've developed the relationship, you've invested in these people, then those conversations ultimately will go better. You disagree when I say this, but I actually do not like confrontation. But I will tell you, I do better with confrontation, meaning I'm more willing to have it if I know it's for the right reason. This day and age, you and I have had this conversation before, sometimes confrontation is a sport. People just enjoy it. I do not. But if I'm gonna have that big conversation, it's because A, you're worth it, or B, the issue is worth it. Okay. If that makes sense. I think the fact that you said that you are worth it, the person that you're talking to is worth it, is an important aspect of this. John Maxwell said, you can't bypass the people who do the work and expect the work to be effective. Mm. You've got to go to where the people are. Let me tell you that again, in case you missed it the first time and don't want to rewind, because this (laughs) is important. If you're the person in charge, again, you have to get away from your desk. You have to get away from your office. And I don't want to hear any of your belly aching and your whining. (laughs) This is all about tough love or love tough. Oh, I like the love tough. John Gordon talks about love tough. That it's the same thing of tough love, but the love comes first. Ooh. That's the motivation of you, you know, trying to draw the best out of people. So again, here's the quote. You can't bypass the people who do the work and expect the work to be effective. You got to go to where the people are. Mm. If you work in an office building and people are in their offices or their cubicles, you have to get out of your office and go visit yes. them. You have to come down off of the, you know, the high rise floor or whatever number that is 
and go down to where the yes. people are actually working. Yes. If it's cubicles, you got to do that. If it's the sales floor, if it's the manufacturer floor, whatever, you have to get out there and visit them. You have to not be afraid to get your hands dirty with that. You know, we read stories, we hear stories of the CEO of the manufacturer manufacturing plant, and somebody was out that day on the line. He filled in for it. Mm. He's not afraid. People see that and they're going to react. Again, if you're the person in charge and the other people only see you mm. when there's a problem, you have a you are the problem. Yeah. You are the problem. There's yeah. no no ifs, ands, and buts about that. And you can quote me on that. Any job I've had where I have been the person in charge, is that the phrase you're using now? Person in charge? Person yes, in that's, management or whatever. Person in charge is what I keep going okay. to. Any job I've had where I have been the person in charge, I've had a policy from my earliest days in management. My policy has been I will never ask someone to do something that I will not do. And I made a practice of it. And I found that in some settings that worked in a way that those around me noticed that and it was valuable. There were also times when I worked in retail, I found myself telling my the people that worked for me, that that's what I was doing. Not because I was trying to highlight something positive I was doing, but I wanted to make sure they heard me verbalize. I will never ask you to do something that I won't do. Now let me get in there and sweep the floor with you and clean up the vomit or fill in when somebody's sick or whatever. I wanted to practice what I preached. And with them, I felt like I needed to be a little bit more direct and make sure they knew. Yeah, I think with that type of environment, you saying that it was a reassurance for them. And yeah. the, the other environment that you're talking about, it was because you kind of all worked right there together. Yeah. You didn't, you weren't overseeing, I don't know how many, 80 employees or whatever it right. was in the other place. They can see it every day right. a little bit right. better with that. And part of and that I is getting out of the office, like you said. Yes. I, I don't know how much my dad spent time he spent in his office. I know he did the paperwork that he needed to get done, yeah. but he spent a lot out. Yeah. Walking the the grounds and visiting with people, making sure, do you have everything you need? Okay, is there a way that we can do this better? He was also not afraid to listen to the ideas mm. of his employees. Mm -hmm. uh, if they thought, hey, I think this may be a better way to do it. Yeah. Okay, well, let's try it. And if it works, that's how we're going to do it. If not, we'll, we'll go back to the old way till we find something. And I think sometimes the people in charge are afraid to take it anybody else's advice because they think I'm the one in charge. I got here for a reason. Now here's a problem with that line of thinking. You did not get in that position by yourself. Absolutely. Somebody else prepared the way for you. And this is a big motivating factor for me is that if I'm ever able to get someplace <laughs> that uh, there are other people who have brought me along, who mentored me. And you can go mm -hmm. back and listen to those episodes if you want to. So if I get into a certain position, a position of leadership or authority, person in charge, whatever we want to call it, I have to constantly remind myself, I didn't get here alone. I didn't do this all by myself. There was somebody along the way that thought, hey, this person has some potential and I am going to help nurture that potential and, and move them along. But I see too many situations where the person in charge thinks, I'm in charge. You have to do it my way or the highway. Mm. And the only highway there should be the person in charge. Absolutely. You talking about your dad's form yeah. of leadership, uh, the different jobs that I've had in management. One of the things that was a beautiful, uh, unintentional, but wonderful byproduct of practicing that style of leadership was loyalty. And when you have that kind of loyalty, when you have that kind of relationship, you will find that those hard conversations are easier you will find those hard conversations to come less often because they are already catching themselves because they want to perform well for your dad or they want to make sure they're pulling their weight for the people around them. These are things that as a, as a leader in this whole idea of coaching up, there are certain aspects that you can apply to your everyday managerial style that will make that conversation either easier or unnecessary. Because you have been coaching up the whole time. Right. I think you hit on something important there that we did talk about in the initial coach up or coach out episode, but I think it's worth repeating here, is when we're talking about this idea of coach up or coach out, it's not just for the troubled employees. Right. It's for all of your employees. Yes. 
okay, so it's not a troubled employee. We're going ahead and going to scratch out that coach out. And how do we continue to coach you up? Sure. To help you improve. Because if there's improvement there and you feel valued, you feel honored, you feel whatever you want to pull in, put in there, that person in the long run is going to be more productive. Yes. And if true leaders actually realize some of this, they would do it more. Mm. Because the more that you can draw out of the people that are working underneath you, the more effective they are, the more they can produce, the more quality product that they can put out, that's also going to make you look good. (laughs) And I I don't want to make it about ego or self-serving. Sure. But if you can help somebody else succeed, it's going to help you in the long run. Absolutely. It's it's a two-way street. You get in there, you do the hard work, you do that alongside of them so that you have those opportunities to encourage and inspire and motivate and lead so that ultimately when you've got to have, you know, the more difficult conversations, like like I said, you may not have to have as many of them or they're going to come a little bit more easily because you've established that relationship, you've inspired them. Uh, you've created some sense of culture that is a great loyal, that has a great loyal aspect to it, that they're loyal to you, they're loyal to uh, whatever business you're in. And I think a lot of people want to know that they're doing a good job or that they're doing things correctly for yes. that particular organization. They crave feedback. Absolutely. Even if occasionally it's a negative feedback, and so yes. they can correct it. But if you don't ever tell them, you're doing a good job, but hey, we could probably, you know, do this a little bit different and it'd be better. Yeah, They're going to keep doing it, but they want to know, are they doing it right? I don't know how many people over the past five years I've talked to that in their line of employment, they're like, I wish my boss would just tell me, am I doing a good job? Am I doing this the way that they want it to be? Yeah. And instead of just occasionally complaining about certain things, that type of stuff. We've had the conversation before that we'll go to large meetings and there will be an announcement about um, we need to do a better job of X, Y, or Z. And what's actually happening is maybe they don't want to have a confrontational uh, conversation with an individual or a couple of individuals about we need you to do this better. And so I'm the employee that's so desperate for some sort of risk maybe just some information, just tell me I'm doing good or I'm not doing good or whatever it is that when I hear that, I think I'm almost desperate for something that I'm like, is that me? What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Even though I know intellectually it's not me. Well, it's not just you either because we've talked to friends of ours that work in different organizations and different, uh, whatever you call those things, fields. I'm I just lost the words, but they work in different industries than we do. And it's the same thing. They have these uh, larger meetings within the organization and it's like, okay, we're doing maybe some of these things good, but we need to improve this. And the reality of it's like one or two people that aren't pulling their weight, but now you have just scared a lot of people. We call it the shotgun approach. And that just, oh, for some of us, it's, it's torture. (laughs) Well, and I think that goes back to a relational aspect and, and understanding your people. You have to know what motivates yes. your employees yes. with that. Yes. And because when I, I went, taking it back to the realm of students, and I actually talked to some of my students recently about this because it was related to the topic we were talking about. Mm. If you understand a little bit about the individual, so I may have two students that have a similar problem, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter what the problem is, but my approach was, with each of them may be very different. Because over time, I get to know a little bit about them. Yes. So some of them, I can be that much more uh, stern mm-hmm. individual and not talk a lot and draw out. And others, I'm like, that's going to backfire <laughs> with that. And, and you learn these things pretty quick. Here's some tips from Biz Library, seven coaching tips for managers and leaders. Ask guiding questions. If you don't ask questions, you're never going to get an answer. Mm-hmm. And you need to know. Mm-hmm. And it could be something simple, I, simple that, okay, I I didn't know that. We can fix that. Absolutely. But here's the thing, too, and I've said this many times, leaders, people, followers, (laughs) don't ask questions you don't want the answers to. Okay, because you (laughs) may not get... household rule, by the way. You may not get the answer that you like. And if you're looking for answers that you like, you're in trouble. Oh, yes. All right, so back to the seven coaching tips. Ask guiding questions. Recognize what's going well. Oh, good. Listen and empower. Mm -hmm. Understand their perspective seeing things from somebody else's shoes, talk about the next steps. 
I think a lot of times that doesn't work. I think a lot of uh, people in charge don't listen to the mm-hmm. person they're talking to mm-hmm. to figure out what the problem is because they already have a solution and they're just asking you the question so they can talk <laughs> and tell you what to do. But, you know, you ask those questions. Try to understand the other perspective. Talk about the next steps. Okay, so we figured out this problem. How are we going to fix it? What can I do to help you fix this? What can I help you do to become better at your job? Do you need more training? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is this a capability issue? Or is this a mo- uh, motivational issue? Mm. Like you can't, you don't know how to do it or you just don't want to do it. Coach in the moment. Oh, yes. Uh, you know, don't miss learning opportunities. Yes. Even if it's something small. And we have children uh, that are, they're they're young. They're not like super young. They're uh, preteens and teens. Mm. And... You know, we look for these coachable or teachable moments is mm-hmm. what we call them. In yes. That. In the moment. Okay. Hey, here's something kind of minor, but let me help you with this. And it may be a behavioral issue or it may just be, hey, do you know how you could do this better? <laughs> Maybe easier. You take advantage of those opportunities when they come. So when you're coaching up, at least in my point of view, it's not always you have to go have this hard conversation. Right. You're out and about and something happens like, hey, what do you think about that? Why did you do it that way? When, you know, well, the company policy is you need to do it this way mm-hmm. and explain to them why, why it's that way. Because there may be a reason. If there's not a reason, ask them, why do you do it that way when the policy is that we do it this way? Mm-hmm. Well, it cuts out six steps and this, like, oh, okay, yeah. maybe we need to go reevaluate that on yeah. a higher level. The last of the coaching tip here was commit to continuous learning. You have to continue to learn when what you're yes. doing so you can, you're kind of like a reservoir of knowledge. Ah. You're passing this along to other people to help them improve. I like it. Um, another thing here that I found also from Biz Library, show your employees that you don't just want them to do better so you look better, but that you are actively interested in their career accomplishments and professional success. This takes intentionality as well, but it will pay huge dividends. Ultimately, it shows that you are loyal to them, which will probably garner their loyalty towards you. And honestly, I find the best results when I back out of the way and I take the time to be their biggest cheerleader and to go above and beyond in praise. But something that you just said there reminded me of a quote I read uh, about two years ago. I think it's from John Gordon. Don't hold me to that. But I think he's he's the one that said people don't leave organizations. They leave people. Oh, yes. Because sometimes people are committed to an organization. They're committed to the mission. They're committed to whatever is keeping them there. But maybe they're treated poorly. Mm. Maybe there's not opportunity for growth. Maybe there's nobody coaching them up to help them to continue to succeed or recognizing their value or what they have accomplished in their professional success. And they leave because of that. They don't necessarily want to leave the organization. This is a little bit off base, but recently we've watched a few of the undercover bosses with our son. Yes. He loves them. And there are some of those where you see the boss has no clue what's right. going on. They're, they're sitting in their high-rise office, <laughs> and they don't know, and they don't care. Yeah. And we've seen a couple of those that have made me want to go throw up. Oh. And I own some of the products from that place, and mm. I, I want to go set them on fire mm. from seeing how this person yeah. treated the individuals. There are other people that they didn't start their career in that area, mm-hmm. and they become in charge, and they don't know. Yeah. And I'll just I'll go ahead and name one of them. Okay. So we watched the Johnny Rockets. Well, now, I do understand all these things are edited together yes. to make a nice yes. story, to make it entertaining. Uh, but he was one that he had never worked in a Johnny Rockets. Right. He, I don't even think he had done restaurant work. He had never he? worked in a restaurant in yeah. his life, and he became the CEO. Uh, he'd done some other things, kind of, I think, yeah. accounting-wise. He'd moved in over to work for this company, and then next thing you know, he's in charge. So he goes and he's like, hey, this is great. I'm learning the line. So he's able to understand because he put himself in those shoes yeah. with that. Again, about understanding what's going on. Yeah. With well, that. and that's out of the office and that's getting in there and really experiencing what's happening and being open and willing to, pardon me for saying it again, clean up the throw up. You get in there, you do what you got to do. And it really does inspire loyalty. My guess is uh, in that particular scenario, he probably garnered some really good um, goodwill, I think. Uh, There's going to be some of those employees that, if possible, they'll stick with them because of something like that. 
At least that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah I think that's a good opinion uh, to have there <laughs> yeah. uh, with those type things. Is there anything else? Because right now we've talked about relationships, about in how that knowing your individuals, creating a good culture, not running away from the problems. Mm-hmm. Anything more practical to share at this point? Or are those the big ones and the rest of it, we hope, comes natural? Well, I think the really the most practical thing you've said and then I've reinforced is get out of your office. When I uh, did management in retail, I had an office. I bet I was in there, oh, I don't even know, a total of a few hours my entire tenure of that that particular organization. You would have been in there to do the mandatory paperwork. And even then, I oftentimes did it out on the floor because I was communicating with those that worked for me to make sure I was doing that paperwork correctly. Okay, so if it could actually be on paper, which at that point in time, more of it probably was paper and somebody else did the computer work. Yeah, There was a little computer work. So maybe the computer work, you were actually in your office because laptops weren't really the thing then. Yes, and that was my least favorite part of the job, by the way, because it was scheduling and I hated (laughs) that. Anybody that's done that sort of thing for a living, oh, it's the worst. (laughs) I've got a couple of things uh, here about good coaches uh, that I have found uh, from CESP.com. CESP. No, CSP. Okay. Customer service profiles. Oh, okay. A good coach is self-aware. A good coach brings specific and well-defined issues to the attention of others. Mm. Not just this shotgun approach of, Mm -hmm. hey, you're not doing a good job. You need to improve. Mm Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, buddy. Okay, so what's particularly, where where am I falling behind? Mm-hmm. And okay, I don't, how am I going to make that better? Because I've been doing it this way for three years and nobody's ever said anything to me. So it's going to be hard <laughs> to change. A good coach prepares for each session with information, examples, ideas, and is ready for discussion. Mm. I think that becomes important with the coaching up aspect. Is it's not It's not just a person in charge coming to talk to somebody. And to be stern and mean and tell them this is how you're going to do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. There has to be a discussion there. Yeah. You're going to get much further with that. A good coach treats individuals as partners in the organization, encouraging their input and trusting them to carry out assignments. Mm. A good coach knows the strengths and weaknesses of his or her employees. Mm. A good coach makes expectations clear at the beginning of each coaching session. You know, particularly if we're talking about coaching up and you have to have a regular scheduled meeting with somebody to help them improve, do it in small doses. All right. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is what we need to focus on today. And then next week we can talk about something else with that. (laughs) If it's that big of a deal. I was going to say, don't overdo it at the first meeting. (laughs) No, if you overwhelm somebody with here are all the things that are going wrong. We don't want you to leave. I don't want to fire you because I've already invested some money in you. And I, you know, what you said earlier the best employee or the cheapest is one you already yeah. have. I was going to say you've literally started <laughs> but, the coaching out process if you yes, do that. Yeah, don't overwhelm them with everything at once if that is uh, the necessity there. A good coach allows t- enough time adequately to discuss the issues and concerns. You know, it can't always be, you know, oh, we're only, I got five minutes. That's all I've got for you. Oh, gosh, no. You know, schedule it longer. Right. If have to be, you know, best yet, clear your calendar. <laughs> For, for a period of time yes. with that. A good coach listens to others and tries to understand their points of views. Mm. I think that's that's very important. A lot of people in charge think that they're in charge because they're in charge and you need to listen to everything. And somebody <laughs> else's point of view doesn't matter. Yeah. It's this whole idea, and we have both have been in situations over the past 30 years where the person in charge does not think it's a good idea unless it's their idea. And everybody in the room knows that, so you have to convince them that they came up with the idea. That's just ridiculous, people. Get over yourself. Well, and it's so exhausting as the employee, once you figure that out about your manager, that you you cannot tell them anything. You've got to hope and pray you can make them believe that it was their idea. Mm-hmm. That, that's too much work. Just be Absolutely. open. A good coach expresses encouragement and optimism when both easy and difficult issues are discussed. A good coach provides the resources, authority, training, and support necessary for others to carry out solutions. I think that's one where a lot of people fail. Mm. Here, you need to improve, but I'm not going to give you any resources 
to help you improve. I'm not going to provide mm-hmm. you any training. Mm-hmm. We're not going to support you for doing yeah. that. You just need to figure it out on your own. Yeah. A good coach offers support and assistance to those that he or she is coaching to help them implement change and achieve desired goals. I think that's important too. You're going to help them and support them along that, but you need to have some definable goals. Mm. You need to improve. And here's how I want you to improve. Let's figure out, okay, ever how many things? Here are three goals that we want to work on over the next six months. You can't stop there though. Then you need to craft, how are, what are some ways that we are going to move towards getting those goals accomplished? A good coach follows up on coaching sessions in a timely manner. Oh, yes. I think that's where a lot of people fail. Yes. They come in and say, you need to improve here. Yes. And here are some suggestions, or you talk it out and both come to some ideas to do that. And then they don't follow up. Yes. They don't check in to see how things are going. Yes. Because you two or three or whatever may have come up with something that doesn't really work. Mm. In the moment, you thought it was a good idea. Right. But when the rubber meets the road, it's like, ugh. But if you're not checking in, you're not going to know. And when you come back six months later, <laughs> that problem is still going to be there. Yeah. I guarantee it. And resentment. I've gotten aware whatever type of meeting I'm going to, I take my calendar. Because there's always a possibility somebody else is going to say, hey, we should we should follow up and do some other conversation. But exactly what you're talking about, that if there is something from that meeting that needs to be followed through on or followed up on, go ahead and make an appointment with yourself. I actually carry a pencil with my calendar for that reason because, well, okay, pencil means that this is on my agenda, this is my plan, but it's flexible because, you know, things change. But I... I just, that's very frustrating to me to have someone tell you, oh yeah, let's see how that goes. And then never again, it's never brought back up. It's kind of like John Acuff has tweeted recently that when you run into somebody you haven't seen in a long time and they say, hey, we should catch up. Yes. If they don't pull out their phone immediately, they don't really mean it. Or if you don't pull out your phone and say, hey, okay, let's schedule some time here. It's not going to happen. Nobody really means it. So that's a bit of a problem in those situations. Uh, the last thing from cps.com that I saw was when solutions do not turn out as expected, a good coach proactively helps to define alternative actions, mm. which is kind of what we were just talking about. Things don't always go as you plan. Yeah. And if you're not checking in, you're not going to know that. It's going to take much longer to deal with those uh, type of situations as well. Mm. I think also for... A person in charge, and I'm going to use the word leader here, hoping that the person in charge is a leader, which is a different discussion for another day. But you have to be healthy yourself. You Mm -hmm. have to understand what's going on. You have to be open to criticism because most of the time the person in charge is going to have somebody in charge of them. Right. You know, so you're a vice president at a a company. There's going to be a president. You're a president. There may be a board of directors or somebody above you. So it's impossible for an unhealthy leader to have healthy followers. Mm -hmm. It's It's impossible for a healthy boss to have, or excuse me, an unhealthy boss to have healthy employees because you're going to project that on them. How about we say it's impossible for an unhealthy boss to have healthy relationships with their employees because their employees may be healthy, but the relationship is what would be unhealthy if that boss or leader or whatever is not healthy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. John Maxwell said, people who build successful teams never forget that every person's role is contributing to the bigger picture. Love it. People who build successful teams never forget that every person's role is contributing to the bigger picture. And we've talked about that before, too, on some level, right? Yes. Greater than the whole? The sum is greater than the whole or not? or (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Which one is it? Yeah, I think something else, too, is uh, with this coaching up is you have to continue to to learn yourself about whatever organization or industry you're in. Yes. You have to continue to study individuals, to study leadership, management, which are very different things, uh, growth, whatever. Here, I don't really know how to say this, and I'm not going to recommend specific books. And uh, part of that's because I don't remember the titles of them. Okay. (laughs) And uh, maybe a few other factors there. But if you want to learn how to be a good coach, you need to study good coaches. Amen. And when we talk about good coaches, a lot of times what we have easy access to 
or athletic coaches. Mm -hmm. Some of the best business books that I have ever read were written by basketball coaches. <laughs> uh, from a professional uh, level, a prof coach of a professional team and a coach of a college team, some of the best leadership books. Because they talked about getting the most out of people. In both of those books, they tied it in. They, did, they used the athletic experience to explain their examples, but then they took it about, okay, in the business world, this is how you're able to do those. And you can probably hop on the internet and search for something and find some good ones very easily. I, I don't know all of them that are out there. And you don't want to make a recommendation? Like, who's who's a couple of the coaches that you've really enjoyed? I will say, and it's been, a, I've read this one actually twice, but it's been a number of years since I read it. P Pat Riley, mm -hmm. legendary Lakers coach, has a tremendous book. Mm. And I don't remember what it's called. That's it's okay. in my office Pat on Riley. the shelf on the shelf there. But it it's it's wonderful. It's mm. about success because what does a coach do? Yeah. They're teaching. They're teaching how to play the game. They're teaching the system that they're going to use. They're motivating. They're inspiring. They're trying to draw the best out of their players. They're trying to create a healthy culture, a, a winning culture, an all for one dynamic. That's where a lot of leaders and or people in charge are missing out. They don't understand this. There's a lot of things, and I this is strange coming out of my mouth, but there's a lot of things from that athletic realm that apply to the professional world, at least from the coach's standpoint. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go as far as to say that every lesson an athlete learns was in that they're able to take into the business world. You and I have talked about this on a personal level. I can't think of anything I learned in athletics that I didn't learn in band or mm. choir with all that of responsibility of teamwork. Sure. But I don't, we don't have books written about those individuals or by those individuals really for the masses. Mm. Mm. But there's a reason that we encourage kids to play sports, to play team sports, especially to kind of learn how to work with other people, how to work with a coach. One of the things we've been saying over and over again to our daughter who is in her first foray into volleyball is be coachable, be able to be the kind of player that when the coach is talking, you're listening, you're taking note of, you're shaking your head saying, yes, I hear you. I understand. I'm going to do better. Those are valuable traits that I'm really grateful she's getting from someone other than us because maybe she'll maybe they'll take better root with someone else maybe because we tend to learn better from other people than Agreed. our parents or take their advice with that but the coaches uh, there's a number of great books that can help that come from that realm I would pick the ones that are geared towards something professional okay because I have other books you know I, I did spend a very brief stint helping coach basketball I've got coaching basketball books that are about coaching basketball <laughs> Uh, the other ones are about making know, those correlations. Yes, or more towards a business or professional thing. Also, there are business coaches that deal with some of these things. Uh, a number of John Maxwell books are very helpful with this idea of how to at least prepare yourself to lead better. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I'm going to leave it at that. I do have this other thing. I'm not really sure where it came from, so I can't give it. Uh, I can't give credit to the proper individual. But it says how to position players well. One, give them a growth environment. Two, recognize each person's growth needs. Three, open up opportunities for them to grow. Four, walk with them during challenging times. Five, tell them or teach them to learn from every experience. And six, help them add value to their teammates. All of that requires a relationship. Yes. All of it. Every one of them. So I think what we have to say here from our coaching up is you have to start with a relationship. Mm -hmm. We may have to think about this a little bit more and come back with a part three at some point if we can come up with some more concrete things. And it's going to be difficult because every situation is slightly unique sure. and what is need. But if you don't have that relationship, you can't begin to to coach up no. with that. Nope. Um I love it. And well, I think we'll just leave it there for now, unless you have something that you want to add as we wrap up this particular episode. No, I, I think the relational aspect of it, it really hits at the heart of so many things we've talked about on these thoughts on uh, episodes. It just to have an opportunity to help anyone, especially in the business environment, to lead them is going to 
potentially require some effort at building a relationship. Mm. It's worth it. It is totally worth it, and it will help everybody involved. And so I will leave you with these comments. Coaches, or coaching, excuse me, coaching people means growing your people. Coaches motivate and build trust with their teams. Coaches give regular feedback and praise. Great coaches focus on the highest impact areas for each person. Let's say that one again. Please. Great coaches focus on the highest impact areas for each person. So if we're trying to coach up even our best employees, we're going to do a little bit different Mm. with that. Again, relationship. (laughs) And lastly, the example you set matters most. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you folks for spending some time with us in this thought zone. We'd love to hear if you have some uh, feedback. Christy, you want to tell them the best way to send us a message if they have uh, any thoughts on coaching up or if they have any questions that they would like us to address about this topic or other topics in future episodes. Sure. Find us on Instagram. We are the Front Porch Sessions podcast on Instagram. You're welcome to send us a direct message. That's probably going to be the easiest way to reach the both of us. Again, that's the Front Porch Sessions podcast on Instagram. Thanks for being with us. Absolutely. Absolutely.